0: If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha Hashavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha. Only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful, all of you. Great to be with you. Spend some time. Look at the Parsha. Look at the time and try to understand what in fact we are being told, what in fact we're being taught, how to understand our lives, how to understand the events of the times that we live in, complicated times, complex times, but there are answers and there is clarity. All we have to do is to look to Torah, to look to Torah for answers, for guidance in order for us to live our lives as we should. And what a time of the year it is. It's the month of Adar, not only a regular Adar, but the first of two Adars. This year is a leap year. And because of that, we have Adar Rishon, the first Adar, and then we have Adar Bet the second, Adar Shani the second Adar, which in fact means we have 60 days of Adar. What is Adar famous for? Mishin Adar marbin besimcha. When the month of Adar comes along, we add, we increase our joy in extraordinary measure. And not only increase in relative terms, quantity, we actually increase in the intensity, in the quality of joy. It's a different type of joy. It's a joy that not only uplifts in the normal sense of the word. It's a joy that permeates the very essence of our being. It's a joy that brings with it the type of clarity, the type of purpose that inner joy does. And this is the blessing of this year. It's not for 30 days, it's for 60 full days. And this year, the first Adar brings with it the added dimension of joy. What is the first Adar? The first Adar is the idea of reconciling the moon year and the sun year. As we know, the moon year is shorter than the sun year. And in order to reconcile those two years, to make sure that the festivals come out at the right seasons, the Torah tells us the Pesach has to be in the time of Aviv, in the time of the spring. In order for us to do that, we have to make sure that the sun year and the moon year is reconciled. And therefore from time to time we have what is known as a shnat ibur, a leap year now what is that reconciliation all about of course it's there to make sure that the festivals come out at the right seasons but any type of reconciliation is something which talks to us about the idea of peace reconciliation means bringing together things that while on their own, might have tremendous quality and tremendous purpose, but they are at odds with each other. Reconciliation means bringing about a state of wholeness, a state of completeness, something that is normally not there. And this is what happens during the leap year. This is what happens in Ashnas ibur. What is the first Adartelus? This is a year of reconciliation. This is a year of bringing about Shalom. This is a year of bringing about peace and wholeness and completeness, not only in the time aspect of our lives, but in every single aspect of our lives. There's an opportunity to do just that. Every single one of us to a lesser or greater degree, has a dimension of conflict in life. Whether it's conflict in a relationship, whether it's conflict within oneself, whether it's conflict within the world in which we live, whether it's conflict in the way that we view the world. Conflict is a reality with which we live. And sometimes it's somewhat difficult to reconcile that conflict. We are at odds with ourselves. We are at odds with each other. We are at odds sometimes with things around us, and therefore we need an extra dimension of insight, of clarity, of greatness. We need a dimension of greatness in order to bring about reconciliation so that the conflict can be reconciled. We can bring together the two aspects that normally don't come together this is what the leap year is all about and this is why we have the extra dimension of joy what is joy joy is bringing about a state of happiness in the fullest sense of the word when otherwise there is a degree of well unhappiness when there is a degree of something which is not altogether perfect Something which is not altogether great and wonderful. What is joy? Joy is something which is uplifting. Joy is a state of clarity, a state of purpose, a state of knowing that all is well. That is what joy is all about. That's what reconciliation is all about. Conflict is painful. Conflict is something which brings about, well, distortion, disunity. It brings about... An idea of distance and anguish. What is reconciliation? Making something whole. Reconciliation means bringing together. This is what the idea of shalom, of peace, of wholeness is all about. And this is why the year of Adar Aleph, when we have that added dimension of joy, when we have the opportunity of bringing together those elements that normally aren't together, this is something which is extraordinary and something which is special. We've been going through a pretty rough time. We've been going through a couple of years of difficulty, of challenge, when we have been, in a sense, distant from each other. To a lesser or greater degree, depending on where you live and how you live your life, there has been elements of distance and isolation, which brings about a degree of conflict away from each other. We have been living lives in individual realities. And this brought about a concept of distance and conflict. This is the time of reconciliation. This is the time of coming together, of bringing together those opposite elements and bringing about a state of wholeness, a state of shalom, a state of peace. 60 days, not 30 days, 60 days when we have the added blessing, when God gives us this dimension of joy that is normally not there. Think about it. 60 days. 60 days is a fairly long time. Yes, it can pass very quickly, but 60 full days of energy that is there energy that we have to receive that we have to accept that we have to take into ourselves and share with others as well this is something which is very special if we allow it to touch our lives if we allow it to become part of our own being then it is something which is real and brings about the reconciliation in the early times of creation The sun and the moon had conflict. The moon said, why do we need two luminaries? And God said, right, we don't need. I will make you smaller. Initially, the sun was equal to the moon, but the sun became the dominant luminary. The moon became secondary. It became something which reflects the light of the sun. It no longer became a primary Dominant luminary, and this is something which happened in the physical world because it happened in the spiritual world There was conflict conflict that was based a little bit upon jealousy Conflict that was based upon well. I would like to be the dominant luminary I would like to be the dominant element within this world. I would like to be That which is most important egotistical perhaps somewhat selfish. God said, by expressing that type of well, arrogance, that type of selfishness, you have become secondary. What happens in the leap year? In the leap year, there is reconciliation. This is the joy that we experience. This is something which is special. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about a special time, 60 days of intense joy. The Parsha, of course, is Truma, which lists all the materials needed to build that magnificent Mishkan tabernacle. Parsha is Teruma. Teruma talks about all the incredible materials that were needed to build the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the wilderness. What was the tabernacle? As the Torah says, God tells Moshe, you shall make for me a sanctuary and I will dwell among you. God tells Moshe, I have forgiven you for the sin of the golden calf. I'm going to reconnect with Jewish people. I am going to allow them to build a dwelling place for me, a home for me where I will appear and in order to do that we need all sorts of materials gold silver copper various types of fabrics threads wood all sorts of things in order to build this magnificent structure did it ever cross your mind did you ever think about a question that should be asked at this point God tells Moses to tell the Jewish people and you shall take for me this incredible contribution what each and every single Jew wants to give from, well, as a heartfelt, generous contribution. How much gold was needed? How much silver was needed? How much copper? Whatever it was and however, well, big the tabernacle, it was relatively small. It was a portable structure put up and taken down every time the jewish people camped and left now think about this for a moment god is creator of heaven and earth who created gold and silver and copper and all those well animals that produce these wonderful fabrics and threads and wood it was god himself god created everything from heaven down to earth and everything in between. Everything spiritual and physical. God created time and space. God created everything. As we read at the very beginning in Bereshit, in Genesis, Bereshit Borel Ekim Eta et the Eretz, God created everything out of nothing. All that exists, existence itself, is a creation of God. Why does God have to come To small little man to a human being and say please give me some gold and some silver and some copper and some well beautiful fabrics and threads and wood because i want you to build me a dwelling place god performs miracles god creates things why couldn't god say to moshe moshe i want you to build me a dwelling place and poof i will create whatever gold and silver and copper and fabrics that you need instantly, miraculously. Why God who is creator of heaven and earth, why does he have to depend upon the good heartedness of a human being in order to have the materials that are necessary to build him a dwelling place? Couldn't God, well, Who is creator of everything, have created some more gold and silver and copper and everything else that is needed in order to build this house for God. Have you ever thought about that question? I've often thought about that question. And I keep on thinking about it. God can do whatever he wants, and God did whatever he wants. God created a world, God created a universe, both spiritual and physical. God created gold and silver and copper. He could have created a bit more and said, Here, use this gold and silver and copper and precious gems and stones and make me a dwelling place. Why was it necessary for him to ask human beings, the Jewish people, to make this contribution and make such a fuss that one parsha after another parsha, we talk about the incredible contribution that the Israelites made? To build a house for God and while of course our sages talk about this at great length in different ways there is a powerful answer to this interesting question an answer that gives us tremendous insight into how God runs his world and what he expects from us what God does and what he expects us to do God creates a world God brings a world and everything in it into being. Everything, as I said before, the very, the very essence of existence, time and space and everything in it, God brings it into being. But that world is not necessarily a world that reveals the presence of God. God chose to create a world that hides his presence. In fact, as I've often said, the very word olam, which means world, also means that which is hidden, helem. It comes from the word helam that which is hidden. God creates a world, created a world, that hides his presence. What God is saying to Moshe, by telling him to inform the Jewish people that they are to give of the material things that they have in order to build a house for God, Is in so doing to reveal the presence of God within the world of course God can do whatever he wants of course God can create more gold and silver and copper and precious gems and everything else that was needed but this is the power this is the strength this is the privilege this is the opportunity that he gives human beings they are able to take the world of hiddenness where God chose To hide his identity, to hide the fact that he is the creator behind everything and to reveal his presence. By taking a piece of gold that could be used to be making, well, a piece of jewelry or some other physical object and using it in a holy sort of way. By taking a physical object and using it in a way that reveals the presence of God. This is the incredible partnership that enables us, as I've often said, to become partners in creation. God creates a world of everything, but his presence is hidden. We take that world and we reveal his presence in that world. But we can take a piece of leather and make a pair of shoes out of that leather. But we can take a piece of leather and make a pair of tefillin out of those pieces of leather to reveal the presence of God. Or we can take a piece of food and we can eat it and enjoy it just for the sake of taste of the food. But we can make a blessing before and after and use the energy that we derive from that food for a higher purpose to serve God. We have the power through freedom of choice to either, well, allow the presence of god to be hidden or to reveal the presence of god within the physical world that's why god says to moses tell the jewish people to contribute to take their physical objects and to use it for a holy purpose i don't want all of it i want them to give a little bit of it a certain percentage and in so doing they will fulfill the whole purpose of creation They will show that God exists within this physical world. Their gold and their silver and their copper and their precious gems, whatever they possess will take on a different type of identity altogether. They will reveal the presence of God who chose to be hidden. Of course, God can do it himself. But this is the partnership. This is the privilege. This is the... Tremendous opportunity and gift that God has given us in order to become a partner within creation. And this is why the strange words where God says at the beginning, he doesn't say, give me, he says, by giving me, they take me. Yes, we take God and we reveal him within the world. The Mishkan was a beautiful little structure, but it was relatively small. But in that small structure, we did extraordinary things. We showed ourselves, we showed the world, the revealed presence of God. And so we can do in everything that we do, even today, now. When we take that which we have, whether it's physical, or the talents that we have, the abilities that we have, and we constantly... Reveal the divine dimension that is contained therein. We reveal godliness. This is fulfilling the purpose of creation. This is what it's all about. It's not the little bit of gold and silver and precious gems that we contribute. Of course, it's the vessel, it's the vehicle through which we do it. But it's the revelation of godliness that we're actually fulfilling. More of that This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the tabernacle and how it represents the privilege, the blessing, the ability for us to partner with God in His creation and through our interaction properly in the physical world. We are able to reveal the presence of God, and this is why the vessels within the the temple, each one of them represents a different dimension of our interaction with the physical world. You take the ark that contained the tablets, the Luchot, which represents the Torah. And this is something which is fundamental to our lives. We have to realize wherever we go, whatever we do, Torah has to be the anchor, the fundamental teacher in our lives. Torah has to be the basis of how we behave, what we do, and how we go about our lives. This is our truth. This is our basis of what we do and how we do whatever it is that we have to do. We talk about the menorah or the candelabra what is it we have to bring light into the world we know something of value we have to share it light and warmth in our families among our friends society at large we can't be hidden away we have an opportunity we have a duty we have the privilege of bringing light and warmth into the world the world needs light and warmth the world could be a dark place a place of confusion the place of distortion a place where people don't know things we have to be the menorah we have to be the candelabrum of the world we have to show the world through our example through our behavior as people who allow torah to become the guide in our lives to show people the value of torah and mitzvot we have to be the light to the world the light to the nations you take the table the table That's the way we interact with the physical world. Table represents the meals that we eat, the physical world. How we live our physical life, as mentioned before. How we eat, what we eat. The way we relate to our physical behavior, to our physical needs. We can do it, well, we can do it in the most gross way. We can do it, God forbid, like an animal. Or we can do it like a Jew based upon the laws of Kashrut the laws of decency to live a life that represents a table that reflects the highest levels of decency of morality of goodness of whatever it is that we stand for and we believe in you take the altar the Mizbech what is the Mizbech sacrifice what is sacrifice sacrifice doesn't mean you have to give up your life but sacrifice means the ability the ability to well give up certain things from time to time that might be a bit difficult might be a bit difficult to do something to share something you want to do something which might not be the best but sacrifice means to give up something at a crucial moment for a greater purpose whether it's within ourselves, whether it's to help somebody else, all these things, this is what the Mishkan represents. The Mishkan represents the ability, the opportunity of revealing the presence of godliness in the world. And as I began, it is so much easier during these two months of Adarishon and Adar Sheni, the first and second Adar, which is basically. The months of tremendous joy Marvin the Simcha and as I said Simcha brings clarity it uplifts us it enables us to move forward with a different type of energy it creates a passion it creates a tremendous momentum that enables us to do things with well greater strength greater ability greater purpose When a person is joyous, when a person feels this sense of fulfillment, this is precisely what happens. This is the energy that exists at this particular time, and we must take advantage of it. It's there. It's in the air. It's within us. Each and every one of us possesses this maven besimcha dimension. It's powerful, it's real, and it's there. So when you're in Shul tomorrow, and go to Shul, it's safe. You're able to go to Shul. Go to Shul tomorrow. And listen to the Parsha being read. And listen to the words where God speaks to Moshe and said, speak to the Israelites and tell them to take me. And to give the truma. Each and every one of them should give from the heart the gold and the silver and the copper and the precious gems and the wonderful fabrics to build me a dwelling place among them. And listen to each portion and how each vessel was made and the purpose of each vessel and picture within your mind the greater meaning of each and every one of those things and how they apply to your life, how they apply to your personal life. Make them real and relevant in terms of yourself. And this is what Torah has to teach us. And this is what Torah has to tell us. And this is why the Shabbos is a special Shabbos. It's a great Shabbos. Use it and use it well. Good Shabbos.